it's not all about reach because it's all about conversions. Otherwise, yes. what are you even doing? Like, what's the point otherwise? So, so that's what's crucial. It's not like, ah, I'm not making mil- a million quid because I haven't gone viral enough. It's I'm not making any money probably because I don't know how to convert. And that's really the bit that matters. Okay, so I am now recording my another special edition of LinkedIn Gods. This has been super fun to speak to some of the biggest voices who is buying your LinkedIn newsfeed. So I actually put out a post and I asked people like who are the top influencers that I didn't know of and didn't, you know, help me name these people that I don't know. And one of the names um, that popped up when this post went viral was Richard Moore. So I wasn't really aware of Richard Moore. So I went and looked him up and a little bit about Richard, who's actually joining me here, who's one of the LinkedIn gods we've discovered and will be named LinkedIn God by me, is he is the founder of LinkedIn Client Accelerator. It's a leading program for understanding the science and art of conversion from content on LinkedIn. Super excited to talk about conversions because I know a lot of you want to know how do you actually convert through content. And I've got really, really interesting queries about, you know, can you convert or are you just trying to gather attention? But anyhow, we're going to find out a lot more about Richard and Richard's journey from his career and how he moved through sales in corporate into running his own consulting business. And now he's accelerated to helping consultants zero in on LinkedIn and crush it on LinkedIn. So I'm really curious to really learn a bit more about how he actually moved through that journey. Um, So welcome, Richard. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mel. Um, I can't wait to geek out over this stuff. So you've got me excited already with just the intro. Awesome. Well, look, I want to kind of, I'm so curious about people's journey and like, how do they actually go from X to becoming um, a LinkedIn creator or, you know, someone that people follow and communicate with? And, you know, how did you even get into LinkedIn? I'm really curious about your journey. It's interesting. So there's so much I can say. So just answering really specifically your question. So I got into LinkedIn um, because I already had it kind of it was kind of on my radar anyway. If you go back 10 years to my last job in the city in London, I was um, a sales director at a recruitment house. So my team were in LinkedIn all the time. But of course, in a very different world of finding profiles and pitching them to uh, go for jobs. And when I when I started my uh, my own work, I, I actually launched social media stuff on um, on Facebook. And that's really where I cut my teeth on helping people convert mm-hmm. from their content. So, I'd you know, I'd be in a group uh, or something like that. And I would be talking to people about how they're doing with their businesses and just find it good fun that people are like, hey, I'm getting this content out. I'm getting frustrated, but I can't convert. So my background mm-hmm. being sales, I really could help people there. 2016 came and that was Instagram and I was doing the same thing there. But I remember in 2017, it was it was like the end of the year mm. and I called it, I, I remember, and I'm like, I'm going to put it in a post somewhere. I was like, I really think something's going on over at LinkedIn. And, and what it was, was in August 2017, they flicked the switch on being able to upload video. So basically prior to that, it was like you could put documents up 
because the idea there was you could add a white paper or something really businessy or like mm. a status update. I don't even remember those. And that was it. And, you know, Microsoft bought LinkedIn and it's, it's gradually over the last few years become this content play. So in January 2018, which is now five <laughs> years ago, I was like, I'm yeah. doing this. And, you know, when I like I like to go hard on stuff. So I, I started posting yeah. content five years ago on LinkedIn. And I was like, literally, as I'm doing today, posting each day. And as people showed up, I was like, that looks like an inbound person. Let's start talking. And it just, honestly, I can tell you now that like creating a business where you're selling a service online, it was harder to do on Facebook and Instagram. And I still did fine, but LinkedIn was this rocket because the context was there uh, of business and, and everyone was like lapping it up because if you think about it, everyone was on LinkedIn, everyone was yeah. on it, but no one was posting anything. So I basically, I couldn't miss because so many people were looking at content. Obviously a lot more people are doing it now, but it was just so nice to get in outrageously early. And LinkedIn recently uh, said to me, so I was speaking to them, they were like, um, you're like this granddad who's been on LinkedIn forever. I'm like, I think there's a compliment in there somewhere, but yeah, it's just nice. It was nice to start early. Yeah, it's interesting you say 2019 because I think my first ever post and I didn't know that there was no video before. I think it was in September 2019, the first time I must have ever shared a video piece of content, um, Mm. getting on a plane, uh, female to Pakistan. And I was like, hey, everyone, I'm getting on a place, uh, plane to Pakistan. I've just quit my corporate job. I'm going to go out and do my own thing. Wow. Okay. And I remember, you know, it was so crazy, Richard, back then. It drove, I, I think, a, maybe like 100,000 views. And I didn't even know because I was mm. on a plane for like 24 hours and I had about 5,000 oh, wow, really? connections when I, when I woke up <laughs> the next morning. And I was so freaked out by the connection request. My HR girl was like, you can only have 5,000 connections. She didn't know, right? So she's sitting there declining yeah. all the connection requests, <laughs> not even filtering it, <laughs> yeah, saying, know. you know, you won't crazy. be able to connect like to... with anyone. I didn't know what to do. You know, That's I was not an expert. That's the thing. <laughs> and back then, back then it, that was the thing. It was so much, over, there was so much overwhelm because it was this thing of like, well, how do I sift this? And it was like, it was kind of uncharted territory because yes, we'd done social networking on other platforms, but this was yeah. new and the interface was different. So it was like, how do we manage all of this? But yeah, it was the same, yes. like I said, so I started 2018. And then I, I remember when, when like carousels in documents became a thing um, soon after that. And this document style post, which I still use today. Mm. I remember when that rolled out, yeah, you would get like a hundred thousand views in a day it was outrageous because there's so much audience. And and I remember back then it was like, there was a million pieces of content in an entire week on the whole platform. That was it. I know. I know. I remember I would just post one thing or two things a week and it would just be like five inbound leads, like boom. Like that's how I actually got started in business. And (laughs) you know, that was like crazy. I was like, why isn't people like doing this? You just post about like, I'll just post random shit about software and like what I learned about SEO at the time and like people would be like and if you ever did like one of those PDF like long form like um like 80 pages yeah. worth of things like it was all over for you like you just start um getting this but things have really changed I think you know mm. through that journey of 2019 mm. to where we are today I think from my experience I'd love to know yours you know the platform um 
is very different in terms of how it shows views recently. I think it's, uh, it's not even about dwell time anymore. I think it's like actually not giving the same amount of view straight away. Like it kind of plays on how long it yes. looks at it for longer before you might accelerate yeah. really fast in the, your second or third day. And it, I think it keeps experimenting in that way of mm. how it maybe and maybe it's trying to understand is this content actually quality, you know, before it gives you that huge amount of boost. That's what my experience lately has been is very different yeah. to how it was in 2019. Yeah. And I think you're right because it was, it was like the wild west then. And obviously they were playing the new features and I, I literally, is interesting. I was literally on the call on a call last night with um, a guy over in LinkedIn at HQ. He's one of the product developers because I beta mm. test some of their products and what's yes. one of some of their features rather what's really interesting is more the kind of recent change or, or focus is um away from a, a really simple term to describe it is fluff content because fluff mm. content can go crazy viral but what yeah. LinkedIn's doing so well in the current evolution is thinking to itself what's going to lose people off this platform and the crucial part there is if we're going to lose people if it turns into this kind of box of fluff and what are we really yeah. known for we're, we're known for insight good community conversation starting and things like that and so what it, what they're doing is that they're actually like turning into or leaning into content that's much more educational and things like that yeah. and moving away yes. from like you know Hey, I, hey! Look at me! I just did a thing, and and I think it's I think that's really good of them because otherwise they they can see where it could go, and I don't want to throw other platforms under the bus, but you could see where it could go, and what that yeah. does is it. I'm not saying it will happen wholesale, but it could ultimately move to a point where its reputation diminishes and where senior decision makers start leaving the platform because they're like, what's going on? So I love that they're actively promoting a particular uh, type of let's call it constructive content. And um, that's really this latest thing. So it's interesting as well that there's there's um, peaks and troughs with different types of or formats of posts that perform better or worse than others. And it's a constant balancing act to make sure that you, you get good reach. But, and here's why I'm, you've got me on this today, it's not all about reach because it's all about conversions. Otherwise, yes. what are you even doing? Like, what's the point otherwise? So, so that's what's crucial. It's not like, ah, I'm not making mil a million quid because I haven't gone viral enough. It's I'm not making any money probably because I don't know how to convert. And that's really the bit that matters. Uh, although people don't seem to think that. I, I do think, and this is just my, I don't want to rant, but this is my soapbox on this point. I do think the narrative that content creators tend to, to kind of fall into is uh, more visibility equals all things will be solved. All problems are solved by more visibility and, and actually it's more nuanced than that in my opinion yeah so many um interesting points to dive into do you and I'll, I'll, i'm gonna go in and cover do you think that linkedin wants to be like the newspaper because we don't read the newspaper anymore because i feel that's what it's trying to promote it's the newspaper it's a financial review that you don't yeah. read anymore and that's where you go now is they want to be the paper yeah I think there's a lot of intelligence in understanding the zeitgeist and, and getting like, there's such good awareness here. It's like long form is something that people do read, but only in certain times in their week. And so access to really valuable snippets and bits of information 
um, tends to happen best through shorter, more consumable pieces of content. So that's why they're giving us these different ways we can consume um, uh, mm. kind of um, an idea or a notion or, or a hack or something like that. So I think you're right. And what I love is that there is, although many people don't realize this, it is an incredibly versatile news feed in the sense that mm. you really do, and it's the same with other platforms really, but you have a lot of say over what you see. You know, it, there's, it can be lots of, I don't wanna see stuff like this or hit a bell notification YouTube style. Mm. So we see more from this kind of person. And, and, you know, algorithms are in play of course, but you really can have a strong handle on the kind of stuff you see. And I love that. And it's, that is quite like your news sites that you see who are more dedicated to uh, everyday news. And you know what else I noticed with LinkedIn is when you share, you know how people go, don't share an article on LinkedIn because it's not going to perform well because you're trying to get it out of LinkedIn. But I've seen some yeah. people go viral just by sharing like New York Times article or um, really credible mm -hmm. articles because I think LinkedIn, um, I think LinkedIn may be, you know, somehow in bed with the press or some way in with those <laughs> kind of domains. You, you and know, they, they promote yeah. it i think what's interesting and and this is just coming from someone who's done this for five years and like been mm. on the pitch every day what's really interesting is that it used to be a uh, inverted commas facebook style approach of if you dare have a link anywhere else we will shut you down and not let, get, let you get any um visibility you know if i posted a youtube video on facebook yes. facebook will go yeah. nope <laughs> you yeah. need to pay for that or otherwise we're yeah. just not sending any traffic to it Whereas what LinkedIn's done um, in the past was something similar. You know, classically on your pro on your profile, you wouldn't be able to have actual URLs linking elsewhere. Mm. But then a couple mm. of years ago, you saw mm. featured links come in. And so on mine, mm. I've got video testimonials on, on, on YouTube. So if I'm getting attention from posts into mm. crazy thousands of people traffic onto the profile, I can have them yeah. click in there. And then more recent months, they've added the the URL itself that you can put like a vanity URL directly under your name. And like that converts like crazy. I was speaking yeah. to them last night about, because I've helped them with that feature and giving feedback and mm. the potential of like a button instead of a, just a link, for instance. Mm. What's really exciting is that um, they recognize the user experience. Richard, do you get paid by LinkedIn? to essentially uh, better tests? Like, do you get any payment from them because it's on your profile, it's kind of cool? Yeah, happy to answer this. I do not get paid. Uh, so about a year ago, the, the UK um, team invited me to join their brand new um, uh, creator management program. And it's a case of like looking after its UK creators. There's like, I think it was like 30 of us in this first cohort. And the idea is it's, you know, we test their products and give them feedback. Uh, but also, of course, they can they can help nurture us and give us like inside edge on like what's going on, and, you know, answer questions and stuff. But in, a t in addition to that, I also have a relationship with some people who are in product uh, building and, and beta tech, uh, sorry, um, development and stuff like that at HQ over in California. And so um, it's really handy for them for me to have a call every so often and give them like news from the front line. So like feedback, you know, what are my 
co-creator um, peers asking for. And, um, you know, that kind of feedback is really valuable. They really seem to welcome it. Uh, and in return, of course, they answer a lot of questions I often have as well. So it just works really well, given that uh, one of my products has a big cohort of creators in it. They're always keen to hear from LinkedIn. So it's kind of nice having a, you know, having a, an, an, an arm into the, the company itself. But yeah, I don't get paid at all. It's just um, it's really helpful, though. Yeah. OK, good to know, because like, how do we get that job, you know? Um... Oh, I know. I'm working <laughs> on it, Mel. I'll, I'll get there. <laughs> um. You talk a lot about, you know, content that converts, which is your crux of um, your secret sauce, I guess. And I want to kind of go in and really debate that um, and that thought out further. So can you run me through? So here's my thinking um, on it. If I put out content, I don't ever expect it to convert to sales per se, but I expect inbound inquiries to come in now when we're talking about conversion just so i'm clear is are we talking about conversion that they are inbounding into have a chat are we talking about you know actually a full checkout of ding ding sales in bank it's a really good question and i need to define i'm so glad you asked because so many people go oh conversion well that's not very wholesome richard just trying to close everyone all the time conversion needs to be defined by the individual and in fact can be a uh, something that varies this morning, I'm looking for conversion on my post that I put out about a few hours ago of subscribers. So, so the the, attend, the attendees to that piece of content, I want them going into subscription to my newsletter. That yep. was the conversion today. Other days, the conversion will, will be, yeah, like I'm trying to sell something and I'm, I'm interested in an inbound lead. And what I mean really by conversion being there really all, in all the posts is there's this there's this spectrum of types of conversion mm-hmm. and while sometimes it's quite on the nose and i'm like you know i'm i'm enticing people to step forward because i don't do cold outreach it's all mm-hmm. inbound so i'm i'm enticing people to step forward to learn more and to explore because they emotionally are in a state where they feel it feels right right now to see what it would look like to for instance get in my in my accelerator for instance so that might be what i'm after but other days the conversion is more this kind of warming emotional conversion of someone going now that guy just said something i'd never thought of before and rather than them just kind of passing by that content i want them to come into orbit around me and stick around so the way i look at it is content is gravity and i want to keep them in orbit and that's conversion too and maybe there's another conversion, which is, am I getting a call to action in the form of them commenting something? Or there's this newer term, call to feel, a CTF, getting someone to go, oh, you know, what? I felt something there. I have to share my view as well. And those kind of, let's call them softer conversions, really matter because they all contribute in this process of warming people in your audience from a cold, passive state to one of like the kind of state we're in when we are skipping to the shop to buy our next iPhone. Like I can't wait to get in touch with this guy. I really think he's my expert. I think he's the one who could really help with that frustration I've got. So I know that seems like a complex answer, but but conversion has to be defined by the individual. And on any given day, it might be, um, th- there's a gray area, as you can see, it might be a soft conversion. Of course, other days it might be a, 
hey, look, it's okay to step forward and I can help you further. And for those who want that, then we'll take that that way. So it's just essential. What I don't like doing is sticking out a post that doesn't seem to achieve much. At the very least, I want, at the very least, what I want is, is that audience to have at the very least a sense of my values. So, you know, if I use a really good example, last year, um, when uh, when the Queen passed away, there was a post I put out reflecting on um, it was uh, in the news here was David Beckham had queued for hours. Yes. And, you know, and what I was doing was I was I was I was commenting on my thoughts on that. And people might think, well, you're just news hacking. That's just like, what's the point of that? How does that connect to mm. you trying to sell what you do? Well, the thing is that people buy people that they like mm. and people buy from me because they because I've used this term already. This they, they kind of see me as their expert. They could go elsewhere. But for them, for some reason, it's Richard Moore who resonates. And a post like that was designed to share my commentary rather than just a link somewhere else to someone else's view. Because what that does is it it broadcasts gently to the readers my values and the way I see the world and that can neatly polarize or segment the audience and for those who you know are already viewing me fondly they'll be like I totally agree I I feel the same and when they sometimes a post converts really well in their hearts if you like because you're sharing a sentiment that kind of they would relate to so I don't know if that makes sense but like I'm really trying to also I recognize behavior when it comes to buying an early stage in buyer behavior is winning them over emotionally. And so that's important. So it's all very calculated. I don't just go, Hey, look, cats, pictures of cats, because I know it will get lots of views. I actually want to have some, you know, if I did a picture of a cat, I would probably connect it in some way in the copy to conversion. Tell me then, how do you create conversion based content? What are the kind of questions you're asking yourself? What are your kind of pillars in order to create this conversion-based content that you are referring to? It's, a good, it's also a very good questions. I will, um, I'll try and be as quick as I can because this is a, that will be a lot to answer. But let me really, really be clear. The, for anyone taking notes, the key part is in your awareness and showing that you have an awareness of what that problem is that your audience member may be going through so um really imagining like i'm not speaking to a crowd i'm speaking to this individual ideal person and the thing you'll remember is that for many people when we are producing this content we may have in mind the problem they have typically for me the problem they have on the basic problem is they can't convert from their content but there may be other issues here because they may have a lot they that may be a blind spot for many people, they don't realize the problem they have. So a more elegant way of doing it that I like to do is demonstrate awareness of the symptoms of the problem they have. And if you're if you're listening to this and you're like, I'm unsure on the problem, then another way to put it is what's the frustration? Because we all have a selection of problems every day. Every human has problems. But the thing you've got to remember is that some problems are bigger than others right for instance i need to do some weeding in my garden i can really live with weeds i just don't care enough and so it's not a major bleeding neck frustration for me but it is a problem i have 
Whereas there are other problems that are like, okay, that's really grinding at my gears when I'm trying to sleep and things like that. So when you can speak to the symptoms of their problem and the way you do this, the best way to do this I've found, because I've tested it a lot, is almost maybe even just write inverted commas quotes. Like, what are they feeling? What are the words in their head? And I remember one I did um, a couple of years ago, and I've used this over and over again because it works so well, was when someone said to me, um, they said, Richard, everyone thinks, or no, she said, my friends think I'm crushing it on LinkedIn, but I can't, but I haven't got any money. I'm completely broke. And I remember when I wrote that, people, so many messages came in, people going, do you know, that's exactly how that's no, that's it that no one said it that way. That's exactly how I feel. So show them that you're in their head. And because what happens then is that the loneliness that an individual has around this problem that they think probably only they're experiencing suddenly changes to, oh, my God, this person has literally said how I'm feeling. And it gets easier because the more people you convert and the more people you speak to who are your customers, the more you realize what they really want, because you keep hearing the same things. So, again, if I, if I ignore all other products and just look at my accelerator alone, there's 126 people in it and they kind of all say the same thing. <laughs> They're like they all say, like, I can even get engagement, Richard. I even have loads of profile views. I have a bunch of followers, but I'm completely broke. I can't get through this bit of knowing what to say. So when I say stuff like that in the post, you're thinking this, aren't you? This is on your mind, isn't it? That kind of um, awareness makes them go, oh, my God, that's so me, because it's now speaking specifically to that person. Of course, there's a bunch of people looking at that post going, what's he talking about? Or like, that's nothing to do with me. No problem, because I'm not chasing virality. And I've been viral a couple of times. It's really not helpful. All you get is a bunch of follows from people who aren't that relevant. What I want is the tight engagement from people who are like, oh, that's so me. Yeah. So that is the start point. Needless to say, once you've got that, you have to have some epic hook. You've got to have a good hook that like leads them to, to click on see more and then go into that main body. And when you've got them like that, then they're like, ah, yeah, you need to naturally take this kind of storytelling arc. Like there's the problem, of course, and it's for you. You're the protagonist. <laughs> but then you say, but there's a solution. Mm. And a really nice way of doing this is saying, you know, it's because you're using the old model. You're using this thing that everything one thinks will work, but it doesn't. But there's a better way. And mm. there you arrive at what you've probably seen in my post, which is, you know how everyone says you should just get better reach or more followers or they'll help you get more engagement. And you all, and you all focus on that, but you still haven't got clients. That's because you're focusing on that rather than conversion. So I beat that single drum every day and eventually that people are like, do you know what? You're right, because I'm fed up of going into these masterclasses and buying the courses and getting the coaching and I get even more engagement. And I've learned the hack for the algorithm or I, I now do uh, better hooks in my post, but I still haven't got any clients. Do you know what? I'm exhausted by that. And that's that's the point where I can help because I help with that frustration, that major pain. Because think about how much time people put into into content. And then, of course, you need to have the kind of the real secret source under that is a call to action that is aware of the fact people get calls to action all day, every day. 
it's not 2015 anymore. It's 2023 at time of recording. And it's really important that people understand you can't write big, punchy calls to action that, that actually will play on their social anxiety. So an example is something like, hey, if you want to learn more, let's grab a call. The thing is the seller wants to grab a call, but the buyer isn't in that state yet. What's happened is you've taken this cold, passive audience member. They've been scrolling, so thumbing through their newsfeed, and they happen to come across this. You piqued their interest. You spoke to them. But this is a very fragile moment. So the sledgehammer of let's jump on a call, it sounds crazy because they're grownups, right? But it's actually like they don't know you enough and it's too much social anxiety. What I don't want to go on a call. Is he going to try and sell to me? Is it going to be cringe? Uh, Do you know what? It's just easier to not bother. So they run run off. And the thing you got to remember is that you're always competing against the option of just ignore, just carry on and go to the next post. So what we're looking for is to create enough intrigue and curiosity and value and stimulate them through that post that at the very least they go, who's this Richard guy? They click on your link. And now they're on your profile. And now I can see who's looked at my profile and I can share later, if you wish, what I would say to them to get them to step forward. Or I give them a softer call to action. And the soft call to action needs to be something like, hey, if you liked this, here's something else. Here's a little more. Here's a little taster. Mm. And what I'm doing is I might say, if you want another three tips or if you want the next three stages of this or if you want to understand a bit more, like, comment this word and I'll send it to you. I'll share it with you. I'll just give it to you. So I'm not asking for anything in return. And again, remember I said earlier, it's not 2015 anymore. What I'm not going to do is stick a link in with an opt-in page where they have to put in their email because nowadays it's not seen as free stuff when you give your email. That's a transaction. And they're like, I don't want to give my email. You're going to spam me. Yes. So what we do instead is we just give, we give them like, here's here's information, take it. And of course, now you've got a reason to follow up. How was the information? Which part stood out the most? And you take it from there. And what I also find works best in in doing this is in a comment I write underneath the post when it's gone live, I will indulge further. So you have up to 1,250 characters you can write in a comment, right? Mm. So for those who really love this post, who are going to stick around and go to the comments, they love it when they see a comment from me saying, I did this the other day, actually saying, let's go deeper. Like for those of you who were nerding out about this right now, here's a few more things. And I'll write another little essay. And people might be like, I'm not reading that. But the ones who really dig this, they're like, oh, good, even more. And and when you add that kind of depth on this problem, you're, this kind of frustration you're solving for them, they love it. Within that text, you embed your call to action again. So and that's why I built the accelerator. And that's why I coach people on conversion, I might write. And so if you want to learn more, I've just produced this, you know, like 10, 10, 10 point sheet sheet and you, I can share it with you. Some some kind of lead magnet. Or I might say something like, um, you know, I, I'm happy to answer any questions or something like that. Something soft that's low pressure really makes a big difference. I'm trying to give you a whistle stop tour of it, but there there's some things you can be doing. When you and going back to when you said, you know, go and check out my profile if you liked what I wrote so that you can get that profile view. Do you go and put the at Richard so it's easy for them to click through within that 
post so that they're not like having to yeah, click so up I there? Have or... done, I've, I've tested that a bit and so yeah. that works quite well. So I can say um, I've done ones where I've said, if you want to see what people, what other people have said about this, hit my profile and you can see featured links. There's some more information there. But what I'm going to do, this is just classic selling. You always want to remove friction. Any effort or work or thinking often will turn people off. Every time you add an additional step or a thing that they have to think about and do, a bunch of people just won't bother. So you're killing people every time you do that. A really good little example and nuance is if you say DM me compared to DM and then you say DM, yes, please, Richard. You're actually mm. telling them what to write. They don't even need to think about what to write because you've told them that latter one converts better. But the key part there. So if I'm like, go to the profile, I'll do an arrow. Go to the pro, go to my profile here, arrow at Richard Moore. And because so I don't want them to go, OK, search bar, Richard Moore or, or go and find my my link and click on the the, the profile on, on, on the uh, post. Yes, that's simple enough, but I want it to be so, so convenient that mm. it's literally right there. So I literally have it in the text itself. Yeah. Do you think that you need to have a CTA every time you post? And should it be, you know, the same CTA 80% of the time? Like, what's your view on that? And that changes all the time, That my answer to that. But I think I think you should have a... Here's my evolved answer, because in the past I've said you should always should have a call to action. Yes. And I stand by that, but the revision on it is you should always have a call to action or a call to feel or a call to do something. Mm-hmm. And sometimes your call to action isn't explicit. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's inferred. Mm-hmm. So it might be that you emotionally grab that that group of people with something so powerful, and then you do a final line that's not drop your comments below because it's not 2016 anymore. You write, you, you know, write a mic drop kind of line, like a really profound line that doesn't end in a question. It, but what that does is make people go, oh, yeah, so true. Wow. Yeah, I really believe in that. That's so powerful. And that compels people without you asking explicitly. It compels them to write something. So often the mic drop, people don't realize it. it's not explicitly a call to action, but it is a call to action. Because it makes people go, oh, wow, that's such a good way of kind of bringing it all together. And that's just good copywriting. So try a mic drop, singular line, no caveats, a short sentence, uh, <laughs> all this stuff I've tested. But if you do that kind of thing, right, people are like, oh, wow, I have to write. And they, you know if you're doing well there because people write paragraphs, not like nice post postmate. And when you're getting hundreds of paragraphs, it's like, wow, these people are really that's worked so well. And what's nice about that kind of post when you're creating and starting that conversation, which, by the way, as a footnote, is what LinkedIn really wants from you more than anything is to start conversations. And you are the leader of all these (laughs) followers. That's the way you should do it. Just remember that every one of those people who's written a comment is now feeling slightly more fond of you. And if you are insane then you will completely ignore all those people writing comments just think the majority of people just look at the post some people like it but only a few relative to the number of views actually write something to stop your day and write a paragraph means you've been really moved so it's insane sure not to just reply to it but it's insane not to write them a message and say mel i just want to say thanks so much for the comment thank you know i really appreciate it um what made you write that out of interest and now we've got a conversation 
Yeah. How long do you spend now on writing a piece of content that, you know, hits your feed? So the, the beauty of this is that um, we're using a platform. Ho- hopefully this never changes. We're using a platform where if I repost, uh, not repost, better word, is when I copy and paste a previous post and put it out again, I have no penalization. Mm. It's not like, hey, you're duplicating copy. We're not, I, I know on other platforms that doesn't work and it will throttle the reach. It doesn't work. It doesn't happen on LinkedIn. Mm. So the answer is very little time. In a week of seven posts, so last uh, um, 2021, I was posting five times a week. And then mm. I upped in 2022 to seven days a week. Obviously, you missed the odd one, mm. but basically I post every day and I repost. So I copy and paste and just stick it out again uh, four to five times a week now. So, okay. so all in very slow amount of time. So I think it was two days ago. I, I, I scroll back through my carousels and there was one I posted five months ago. And it also been posted 10 months ago. And the term is it's in the content graveyard. It's sitting there collecting dust, literally no one looking at it um, because it's so, so long ago. It's not like YouTube where stuff keeps coming up all the time. It's literally sitting there in the dark. So I'm always looking out for posts I've written in the past where that creative spark hit a nerve and made people respond. And basically, if it converted, why wouldn't I use it again? So more often than not... It's not because I'm lazy, <laughs> but more often than not, it's like, why would I write something fresh and new? Reposting is what, you know, a lot of big creators do because that gets you on top of it. But I, I know where you're asking me the question, though. Those days when I do create, I I will spend half an hour probably writing that post and I'll rewrite a bit and so on. But I'm good at it. It's not world class all the time, but it can, it's, I'm all about getting interested people converting and you got to understand it's like walking. It's like talking. It's like anything. The more you do it, I started in January 2018. And so I've been writing posts a long time. And I I have a sense of, you know what, this one will probably do quite well. And I can I can tell if a line I'm writing is probably going to make people cringe. But I was trash when I started. Mm. I was rubbish. And you just got to die a thousand deaths and just get it wrong a load. And, and after a while, it's like, you tend to do well after a while, not just because of the copy. You tend to do well after a while because people start loving your vibe and they're going to show up whatever. And that's obviously, you know, capitalizing on the bell feature and stuff like that. So I take about half an hour. And often if I'm really stuck, but I need to write a post, I'll I'll look through a bunch of other creators who inspire me. And I'm like, that's a great format. Or I love that structure. And I'll kind of blend it into what I'm coming up with. But um the other the other thing I would do, I, the other thing I'd suggest just as a good tip is often creative ideas don't come to you when you want to force it. Like, right, I need to write a post now. Be creative. Yeah. It doesn't work, does it? So like if, it, if I'm walking in the street and I go, oh, that's a good idea or something pops to mind. I actually schedule a meeting with myself half an hour before I'm meant to be writing the post. And I put a keyword in to remind me of that idea. So it pops up on my phone or my watch just before I'm about to write. I'm like, oh, yeah, good idea. I'll write that down. So, you know, after a while, after only four or five months of writing content, anyone listening to this has enough in their reservoir of like decent performing posts that they can go back and repost it or edit it and change it and improve it or add an asset like a carousel or something. So like 
really after a while my advice is you shouldn't be writing a new post every single time I don't think there's any nobility in that well sometimes what I find is that I'm like okay I want to repost one that did well after three months but then I'm like okay but I've evolved so much since then now I have to spend time now adding like for example I want to now name the new people I've met with Mm. all the LinkedIn gods that I think are like you know amazing and I didn't know of them because they actually came to me because of the other post and since then so many other people have like done exactly that sort of post which has revealed to me like other players so I feel like oh now that post is old or you know and like I guess it's like kind of a fear like you know you're not relevant it's like relevancy that is Mm. this really evergreen content like you know I'm like oh um that was like a feature that, you know, was really cool at the time. And since then the feature's gone, calm, gone, calm or something, you know, yeah. like do you do audio or do you know it's not really trending anymore and yeah. you wrote about it back then. So I, I guess there's only a few that is I find relevant um, and mm. then I'm like, okay, I still have to like you know, write about. Yeah, I know. I, I think <laughs> I'm, it's ironic because I'm always trying to avoid writing. So I know what you mean. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, the thing is, we should always be mindful of this and, and consider, even if it's once or twice a week, what would an evergreen piece of content look like? And and indeed, what you can do is just be real about it. And, and sometimes you can repost old content and say, here's something I used to believe. I agree still, but here's a change on it. Actually, a really good example is one of my first mini courses. I have a little course mm. um, uh, called The Basics of LinkedIn. That was the, at one point, it was the highest rated course on link on the keyword LinkedIn on mm. Udemy. It was going right. crazy. Um, but I made that three months into the LinkedIn journey in 2018. Mm. So I was cr- like, it was going so well. I'd gone from zero to 3000 followers. Mm. I was getting deals. I was getting, I was on podcasts. I was getting mm. all this fun stuff happening. And um, I stand by the basic thesis of, of what I, what I covered in it, which is why I can still buy it today, yeah. but I'm doing a revamp at the moment. And to speak to this point, what I'm actually going to do is run that, like the videos will be there of the original, um, the original course, but I'm going to do it with me, like in a loom video, a voiceovering saying, here's me in 2023. I totally agree with this point. Let me pause and add this extra bit now so i think sometimes it's a fun way to um add that twist and say i used to think this i still do but here's here's your revision on it and um uh people love that you know it shows that you're being a bit more diff- bit different a bit more aware and people like that feeling that you're present you know rather than like here's just more posts and throwing out like it's nice to have this sense that you're you're kind of aware and in the moment with them as well got it you talked earlier about profile views so once you know that you've got those profile views people are looking at your profile you said you've got a trick and tact on what you should do next yeah and and uh, if anyone wants to convert a high ticket offering you got to run especially with maybe senior people in in corporates and things like that you got to think about what behavior looks like of that kind of person Obviously, there's everyone's different and some people are more progressive than others and so on. But in the main, the average 50 year old who's going to spend 10 grand on you in a month isn't necessarily sitting there banging away contents or uh, comments all day long on post. They have a peer and then go. And the fond term for these people is lurkers. But the, the truth is that that's probably where the biggest amount of money comes from for me. The second connection lurkers 
who are just curious, who just take a look. So what I'm again aware of is this is just from a lot of sales over the years is we need to nurture those relationships. And, you know, the awkwardness that comes when we don't know what to say to someone or we don't know what are like the thing is we could say because we don't want to be spammy or salesy. Um, we used we need to use a thing called present commonality. So commonality is like, hey, we both understand LinkedIn or, you know, we, we both get the power of podcasts, you and I. But present commonality is something that's happening right now. And we can talk about that. And I, the example I use a lot is if I met you in the street, I'd be like, hi, it would be a bit kind of weird. Whereas if I sat next to you at a wedding, it'd be like, so how do you know the bride and groom? And we just get on fine because we mm-hmm. have that present commonality right there. So there's a lot of things people have in common, such as where they're from or what school they went to. But that's a bit kind of that's a bit basic as a reason to connect with someone, which is why cold messages miss so much. Mm. When you have co- commonality that's present and happening right now, you have something very powerful. And I'll try and give you a quick uh, uh, whistle stop tour of the this and I'll explain what we want to send to people. But basically, whenever you send a message to someone cold, what happens typically is you can be relevant so often you have a service or a product you want to sell. You mean relevant, but relevancy is never enough. And that's why people fail, because what you also need is leverage. And leverage is a reason for them to want to respond back. So like the, in the wedding analogy I just gave, like you're not going to be like, oh, my God, who are you? You're probably going to be more unless you're like that. I doubt you are. But mm-hmm. like, you know, you'd be more accommodating because you've got the leverage of like, well, this got this is our event. Yeah. So what do we do when someone looks at our profile? Well, you've got to remember that the context is that someone has consciously decided to click on the link to your profile. It is very unlikely that you've been found through search. Search, so optimizing your profile for search, is like it's like a tiny sub 1% minority of the people who look at your profile. Content means what you're doing is you're getting people to go, wow, that was cool. Who's this person? And click on you. So what we want to do is use that action that they've taken as our present commonality and our our kind of our reason for reaching out to them so this is what i call warm because they've already taken the first step they may have voted on a poll they may have commented liked shared a post they may have followed me they may have looked at my profile so all of these are different buckets i call them uh, and um, well, I'll give you the profile example, but it's applicable to all of them. So the profile is really simple. You want to start as a human and think about what's a reasonable thing to write. And the key part, sure, is you want them to, uh, you know, accept the connection request, because if you looked at my profile, I would want to click on connection. Do this on the website, not the app, because it won't work fully. Because mm-hmm. when you did it on the website, mm-hmm. it says do you want to send a note. Because, of course, I want you to be connected to me because I want this to go somewhere, potentially. Mm. So I would say, hey, uh, or hi, Melanie. I just wanted to say thanks so much for looking at my profile because mm. that is what you just did. You can't go, like, who the hell are you? Because mm. you stepped into my world. So I'm just sem- I'm starting with a wholesome human. Thanks so much. So I'm acknowledging and showing awareness of the thing you did. I'm calling you on that. I'm not saying how's your day? How's business? What challenges mm. have you? got just simply mm. that and then i'll add because this is crucial yes mm. i want the connection request to be accepted but what i want more than anything more than anything is a repl- response i have to get a reply yes so i have to 
So my leverage is that you look to my profile, but I need to be the lead here who stimulates the conversation. So the question always is, what would I need to write to stimulate a reply? Mm. And by the way, that's good practice for any replies to comments you write. What would get them to come back? Because LinkedIn loves that. So what I want to add then is like, hi, hi, Melanie. Just want to say thank you so much for checking out the profile earlier today. What in particular caught your eye? Was there anything that caught your eye? Right. Right. You might choose to use different language and um, being really clear, uh, you know, some idiots think (laughs) that LinkedIn is match.com. And so and a feedback I I have some from some really close female friends is if you write what caught your eye, you're causing problems for yourself. So you might change the language to something like, um, you know, was there anything in particular that stood out? Yeah. What you're doing, you literally leave it as that. Thanks. uh, Thanks, Richard. And so what happens is like it's a short message. It's under 300 characters. So it fits in the connection note. In mails are dangerous because it says in mail from sales navigator. And of mm-hmm. course, people are like, oh, right, well, that will be a sell then. So disregard. So you do it under the radar in the connection note. And almost always mm. they go accept. Mm. Hi, Richard. Yeah, I was just looking at the profile. I found it really interesting. If I do five of those a day only, not yeah. 50, but five, yeah. you'll get some people who are like, do you know, I've just, I love the post you wrote. Yes. I loved how you said that thing. And here we've got them because this is the crucial part. We want to add on the next message to reply to that, what I call the specific question. So, you know, when someone's like, oh, it's so inspiring or I love your podcast, Mel, or mm. the LinkedIn God's thing. So cool. Mm. Whatever they say, whatever the devices that you're talking about, your job is to isolate why in particular and what that thing is, because that's where we can take it to a need. And so, for instance, if you're like, oh, I just found your content really inspiring, Richard. I loved the post you did earlier today. I now want to ask a why or a what based question. Mm. Like, So firstly, acknowledge it again. Hi, thank you so much. I re- that really means to, a lot to me that I get messages like that. Just out of interest, then what part in particular you know, is inspiring. Or when someone says stuff like, oh, it's because I love your content. Well, what what in particular do you love about it? Mm. Whatever it is, isolate. So what in particular is it? And now they have to think and they will respond because remember the context. They loved your content. They chose to go to your profile. They're answering the questions. So we've got good momentum here. And you're not selling a thing yet. You're just hanging, but talking about the thing they've been doing, the present commonality. Their response will be something like, well, do you know what? It's this. I just need more help with that. Or uh, I don't even know, actually. It's just I hear the same kind of stuff, but yours seems to stand out. And now we've got them because they're sharing the thing that does it for them about you. And that's the lens they're viewing you through. And now we basically want to probe once more. Like, so so why, why is that important to you? You could ask something along those lines. Oh, it's just something I'm trying to develop right now. I'm trying to trying to build my own podcast. And I, I found that really inspiring. Well, you know, now you can you can go a bit deeper if you wish, but really you've earned the right emotionally to do a pivot, do a gentle human pivot. And you remember you want you want to do is lower any opportunity for them to get social anxiety which is easily raised. Okay. So you might say something like, well, look, I'm really good at this stuff and I'd love to help a bit. Like why don't, like, why don't we grab a chat? I've got a few minutes this afternoon, if you'd like. And the crucial part is you say something like, um, 
And I mean, it's always nice to connect properly, don't you think, rather than just in the DMs when you're actually selling them and reminding them on this idea that isn't Zoom nice. It's much more wholesome than tapping away and sending texts. And everyone's always like, yeah, that'd be really lovely. Because again, the context is they're looking up to you. They're impressed by you. They've just shared that in a compliment. You've isolated the thing they need help with. And you're like, why don't I help you a bit more? I'm happy to give you some tips. So now you've got a call right away with someone who's consciously in the moment keen on you. So now don't clickbait it, like go on the call and give them some tips. And then you do the same process again. Does that help? Yeah, those three tips are brilliant, Richard. Thank you so much. Which one in particular stands out? Oh my God, that second one, I really think that would help me. And now I've, you can see now almost lends itself, like the next step is obvious. Well, look, I'm really good at this. Would you like to explore what it would look like if I helped you with that, Perfect. really low key language. The language is really soft. Explore. Of course, why wouldn't I explore if what it would look like? So it's not like signing contracts. It's simple, light language. If I helped you with it and they tend to say yes at that point. So there's nothing wrong with a pitch. There's nothing wrong with asking. What most people do is they ask at the very start of the relationship. And they do it 50 times a day. They are giving their soul to this. It's horrible. And they are in misery. And eventually someone bites. And that's confirmation bias that this approach works. It doesn't. You're pissing everyone off. Whereas this approach is more human. It's the way the buyer wants to receive you. And because they're into you, because they've shown that, because they stepped forward and they did all these things, they're wanting to hear how you can help them. And and. I've just I've done thousands of deals in the last 20 years. Right. And one thing that's clear is you can do two sales. One might be someone who's like you approach them cold and like, go on, then we'll try it. And the other person also buys at the same price point, but they were warm and inbound and wanted it. And the difference is huge. The second one doesn't play games. They don't need discounts. They don't want negotiating. Yeah. They're usually the best customers and they tend to stick around and do the like put the effort in as well. So I just think this is the, what everyone knows deep down is that this is the way to do it. But everyone's always trying to court automation. And maybe if I just get more followers, I will just kind of land in my lap somehow. It doesn't work. I've yeah. got over 60,000 followers. It doesn't mean that I get more people suddenly just selling themselves. It's easier, yes. But you still have to show up for the individuals, despite the thousands who view you, if you ever expect people to give you thousands of quid each month. So it's really, I think it's reasonable taking this low volume uh, manual approach. But how is that not more fulfilling? Uh, you know, it makes more sense to do it this way, in my opinion. So there's a, a long answer, but there's your your detail. I hope that helps. It was very insightful. I love the pickup on what and why questions. So, you know, if you kind of didn't catch that on, just I would really go in and listen to how that profile view and then what's your next question and what's the next question after that. I thought that was profound. I guess, Richard, it, you've been so generous with sharing so much. If we want to learn more tactics like these, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, um, your program and like when we sign up any time or is it like once a year it comes up? Like, yeah, we'd love to know, you know, if we're yeah. anyone that's enjoyed it, how do we, you know, get more? Well, that's, that's very kind of you. To, thank you very much. So um, 
yeah if we look at the accelerator then it's i've designed it deliberately with uh, you can hopefully sense by now that i'm trying to be as aware as possible of the buyers not just what i want so i've designed it carefully for people who don't have time who don't want to spend hours on linkedin every day and also who don't want to have to wait for some cohort to start so it's uh it's actually very different you join you go at your pace i'll explain the bits in the middle in a minute but you go at your pace and you in you're in for life so what i love is that we've done it for two and a half years now and you know there are people who stuck around for over two years they're still there with the new members and this that's real community in my opinion and the way it works is you join and you're in there's no subscription every year or renewal and a lot of people are like, that's terrible. You should be milking them every quarter for more money. But actually what happens is when people join and know they can stay there for life, they tend to stick around. And that makes this wonderful set of people who help each other out. And of course, you know, it's obvious that some of them really do well. And then they tell people about you. If it was a 12 week course at the end of those 12 weeks, I'd be kicking them out. And then that's the end of it but they get continued value. And really simply, the components are that you have a um, a course that I've built, which is eight modules taking you through this process of fine, elegant detail on the wording and things like that and uh, how the conversion process looks from my point of view. And then the second part is that every Wednesday, uh, we have a group call together. So I, I teach something that is bleeding edge, literally works right now, rather than old stuff from the past. Uh, so for instance, like, here's a post I did this morning, it converted, here's what I wrote, here's the behavioral understanding of it, now go copy it. And um, last night was a group called 131. So I'm very consistent, we do it every single week. And you know, you can, it's nice to know you can show up and learn something each week. And the key part, and this is the sales director that will always be in me, Mel, the key part is that we have a little in joke that we never celebrate going viral or getting a bunch of profile views or, hey, I got some likes on my post. And I know that I don't I know I'm diminishing that. But and of course, they do matter. And that's fair enough. But we celebrate like the proper wins in terms of conversion and customers, because I don't want to hide behind vanity metrics and people thinking they're doing well when in fact they're starting to get frustrated because they're making no returns. So it's always focused on what conversion looks like. And it's just so nice to inhabit that that part of the process and help people with that kind of thing. So if anyone wants to get in touch um, as a thank you uh, to you, I'm more than happy to answer any questions in the DMs anyway. Um, but yeah, that you can reach out and learn more about the accelerator there. That's That's really awesome. So if we want to get into your accelerator we can head over to your website and yeah, um, check, so what, check out the you got it you go so you can go to the richardmore.com or on my profile there's literally a link right next to my name it says my accelerator there so you can click on it that way cool and is it a checkout online that you have done or um is it something that you actually so, get on a call first and yeah, check out with with this product because because i really am hands-on with it i yeah. really always so no one has ever come in without a call i really want to and, and you should want to <laughs> mm-hmm. because because then i can really diagnose and i can help and literally every single person who's joined has needed something slightly different and rather than going go on just go do it i want you to feel like you're being looked after because the deal is that I help you actually get the result rather than just pushing you off to the course on its own. I really, I think everyone else too values being present. 
And so you need a call, but you should want the call because then we can actually connect properly and then I'll know what your concerns are and so on. So yeah, um, there's nothing on the site in terms of a checkout. I think go through that process with me directly and, and I don't buy, promise. And is it strategical that you didn't include a price from you know a sales expert like you? Is that something that you've discovered along the way that you don't oh, yes. put that you need to warm that person and show them value? Yeah, and forgetting the accelerator. This is just important for higher ticket selling and um, a low ticket product like my mini course is like $100. Like I'm not going to get on the phone and sell someone that because I shouldn't be doing that kind of level of, of low ticket stuff. So there is a checkout. You can buy it. It has the price and so on. Whereas with the higher ticket things, you've got to remember that some people will be super keen on buying right away. Great. That would be brilliant for them to have the website with a price and a checkout. But there is a bloated middle, the majority of people who could go either way. And this is something I've learned over a long time of selling is that if you've got people who are on the fence, it is a huge error to put a price on your website for a high ticket offering because it will scare them off. Because the thing is, when we put price first before and a sense of, ah, oh, actually, that feels really right. I should buy this. You, they, you don't even get the shot at goal. And the thing people need to understand is that when you get on a call with someone, that's really where the sale can properly be made. And they might be like, oh, I might work. I don't know. I, I don't know. But when you engage with someone properly, we're back to this thing of people by people that they like. And I, in the past, in my corporate days, have genuinely sold fairly mediocre products at times where there's a far better competitor, maybe even at a better price point, but they bought me because I got that shot at goal. So I'm right, by the way, <laughs> it's not, Absolutely. I think it's a, it's a huge error to put the big ticket price on your website, unless you have such eye watering levels of traffic that people would buy and you're fine with the fallout of most people not bothering. So most people don't get that level of traffic and, in, and, in, and interest. And I get what people are saying about, well, the thing is, Richard, if they're sold enough, they would want to do it. They would want the price price in that. Yes, but there's a tiny slither. And in terms of managing your pipeline, if you want a larger volume of sales, give yourself a chance to actually have that shot at goal. The worst thing in the world is never getting a chance to speak to someone because you scared them off before you even got the chance. And you didn't even realize because they land on your website. Oh, too much. I'm not going to buy from mm. them. And if imagine if you'd had a call with them, they might have just hit it off with you and you never know. And they might be like, I, you know, and I've had this so many times, honestly, so many times where people said to me, you know what? I never buy. I never buy first time either. But like, I'm I'm sold, let's do this. And that's because of that call. So if you want big ticket, you really got to wind up, wine and dine them a bit. And a price early on will scare them off. That's the thing. I mean, I'm super curious on the price because we've spoken and I think we've heard you for so long. So, you know, <laughs> I, I really am like, you can either tell me on the podcast, you can tell me after and people can like reach out to you and find out what the price actually is, because I think, you know, you've got some really cool tacts and Thank I'm definitely well, well, hooked. Is, this is the thing. A lot of people are like, eye me sideways because they're like, well, you're always trying all these like dark arts of selling. And the thing you got to remember is the accelerator is where I teach you how you were sold. 
And so what's really interesting is that people come in, they're like, ah, now that bit, that's the bit where, where and I love it, you know, when I'm doing a group call and they say, uh, I sh- I'm sharing a type of post that converts. And I always, I always get someone to say, I know that works because that's the one that I converted with. Mm. And when people learn what made them feel compelled to step forward and be the inbound lead and buy, it's really powerful because then they can go deploy it themselves. I'm a big fan of leveraging human curiosity, but I'm also, I don't want to be an idiot and difficult and because people are like, this is now getting annoying. So it is a premium product, it is a four-figure investment, but uh, if there's a level of curiosity where you want to learn more, no one gets to buy uh, unless they have a call with me because I want to know who's in my group and, and I think that's reasonable. Thank you so much, Richard. It's been amazing. I've learned so much. Um, super excited to release this. Um, it was actually way better than I expected. It's gone for so long, the conversation, which d- indicates <laughs> how fun it was. Um, and, yeah, thank you for coming on and sharing so openly and, you know, transparently about conversion. I've really, really enjoyed it. I, I loved it. Thank you very much for giving me the platform to just geek out about tactical stuff. It's like, this is my Netflix, Mel. I love doing it. So uh, I really appreciate your time. Thank you. You are listening to Innovative Minds.